aren't you glad that uh, we can go to church and uh, in church we can have a good time? Amen. Amen. The world talks about, you remember when you were in high school and they said, oh, let's go out and have a good time. What they meant was go get drunk and, and, and wake up in your own vomit and have a hangover and, and uh, do stupid stuff. And, and that, that's not a good time. That's, that's, that's nonsense. Uh, I'm glad we can come to church and have a good time in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, some of you attended uh, churches, whether it be Orthodox or Catholic or um, some, some in here are converted from, uh, from being a Muslim. Some are converted from um, atheism. That's a religion, by the way. Um, it takes more faith to believe that there, there is no creator and no designer than it takes to believe that there is a creator and designer, by the way. And so they got a lot more faith than I do. It's just in the wrong thing. Amen. Um, but um, I'm glad w when we come to church that uh, I've been to a Catholic wedding uh, before and, and, and witnessed enough. Then it's, it's this number. Um, it's, it's up and then it's down and it's up. And then some people are going up and some people are going down. They're looking around. They don't know what to do. And it's all solemn and quiet. And, you know, you got gargoyles up there staring at you from the ceiling. And it's dark. That's not that. The Bible says when you get saved, you're children of light. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm glad when we come to church, you can look forward to coming to church. Amen. And uh, I, I can imagine if you are in, in religion, religion says you've got to keep doing, doing, doing. But with Jesus Christ, it's done. Amen. I don't come to church to keep my salvation. Uh, I, I come to church so I can fellowship with my Lord. Amen. And the Bible says we come to worship Him in spirit and in truth and to, and to get with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so religion, this is not organized religion. This is meeting with the Lord. That's why the old, the old days say come to meeting. Yeah, see you at the meeting house. Church was the meeting house. You say, why? You can meet the Lord out there in the paddock. We meet the Lord here in the school hall. Amen. You are the church. And this is the meeting house where we are. And we're meeting with the Lord. Uh, there in 1 John chapter 5, uh, look there in your Bible, 1 John chapter 5. And uh, then we'll get our text for the scripture in a minute after uh, I finish here. 1 John chapter 5, and the Bible says in verse 3, For this is the love of God. Do you love God? Are you here this morning because you love God? We love Him because He first loves us, loved us. You say, I, I'm here this morning not because I... Uh, honestly, you know what brings me to church is not love for the brethren. Although I come because I love the brethren. And for good testimony, you say, why do you come to church? Because I love God. I, do you love Him like you're supposed to? Not always. But I love God. And I want to meet with the Lord and... I'm glad when I come together with the brethren and they're singing and there's testifying and there's preaching. I know God's presence. I feel it and I sense it. The Spirit of God, the Bible says, bloweth where it listeth. Now hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell from whither it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. And I can sense and know and feel the power of God when I come to church and meet with the brethren and I hear the preaching and I, I, I hear the uh, singing of the saints. It's a blessing. And it says, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And you say, oh, no, there's over, there's over 500 commandments in the Bible, not just 10, okay? 
There's a lot of God's commandments. And if you do well uh, to, to know those, but it says, here it is. And his commandments are not grievous. You know what? I did, I, it wasn't a burden to come to church this morning. It wasn't grievous. I didn't come into a dark hall with gargoyles looking down and statues that are broken and fingers missing. And, and I, I, you say, what did you come into? I came into where there's a spirit of life and the Lord's uh, showing up and people have a song in their heart, a, a testimony in their mouth of what God has done and what the Lord's doing with love in their hearts. And I just want to remind you, thank God that the Lord has delivered some of you from that life. Amen. And his commandments in coming to church, it's not grievous. Amen. It's a joy. It's a joy to come and meet with the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. All right. So if you've got your Bible there uh, open, uh, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 11. And when you find your place, let's, um, let's stand together and we will honor the reading of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I was thinking when Brother Josh was testifying, you know, uh, one of the, the jokes down south we, we say in America is that's enough to make an Episcopalian shout, you know. Uh, and the reason is, is because they're real dead, you know. We call them the frozen chosen uh, because they are as somber as, as clabbered milk, you know, just... You can't get a rise out of them. You can't get a holy grunt. And uh, so it's an, if it's enough to make them shout, that's pretty exciting, uh, you know, uh, stuff going on with the Lord. But for a Greek... I mean, the guy is coming out. You know, Brother Josh, he's, he's a half, half Greek at least. And, uh, but you, th you think sometimes he's whole, amen. But uh, he, he, uh, uh, the guy comes out to, uh, uh, to fix him up and uh, say, what, does a, what does drives a Greek to pray? <laughs> Brother Paul said it, I didn't. He said, money. <laughs> when the bill's going to be a thousand and you pray and they say, oh, just 50 bucks for getting this all fixed out. That'll make them shout, amen. That's enough to make me shout, amen. <laughs> I like to pick on Brother Josh. And you men think that the cooking class is for the ladies. It's not. It's for your benefit, amen. The, these ladies, Brother Shock, she'll come back and she'll learn how to use that oven, amen. And uh, be, a, be a blessing. You'll be thanking Sister Misha, amen. That the, uh, the older ladies teaching the younger, amen, how to love their husbands. You say, how do you love your husband? By cooking a good meal. Men feel loved by sitting down to a good meal, amen. That's a blessing than the truth, amen. And uh, you can tell I'm well loved, praise God. Uh, I am uh, love abounds at my house. Amen. Thanks, the, thanks be to God. Uh, so if you got your Bible there, Matthew chapter 11. And uh, it is okay uh, when somebody gets up here to sing and they, they you know, uh, they get tickled or they get laughing. You say, why? Because we're human. We're not robots. And, you know, it's not this, this somber thing. We have to get up here and you can't laugh in church and you can't have a good time. It's all right. Amen. And, and the sisters don't realize this probably in the moment because they're probably turning all shades of red and embarrassed or whatever because that's what, what happens when you get up here in the hot spot. Um, but, but this, say, what does that do? It encourages others that if they can make a mistake, then maybe I can give it a go. Because I'll make more mistakes than they will. And they handled it in stride with, with laughing. And uh, the Bible says the Lord's put laughter in our heart and our mouths. You know, God laughs. 
That's part of his nature. That's, and he passes that on to you. The Bible says, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. You know, God's got a sense of humor. He does. And uh, he laughs at certain things and weeps at certain things. And it's not wrong to laugh in church. Amen. The Bible says in one place, he hath filled our mouths with laughter. <laughs> when the Lord gives deliverance and, and help and rejoicing, it's something you can laugh about. Amen. And so uh, I've laughed. Some of the hardest laughs I've ever had have been in church. Uh, amen. And get tickled about something. And, and you know what? Thank God for a good laugh. Amen. amen. God gives that to you. Thank you, ladies, for being a, uh, a willing vessel to be used by the Lord and, uh, and singing for God's glory. Amen. Here in Matthew chapter 11 uh, is a familiar passage. But I want to preach to you this morning, uh, just because the day and age we live in, I, I, no matter what age is in, but day and age we live in especially, I know that many Christians are burdened and they're, they're weighted down with sin. They got the troubles in their lives, not just sins, but the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, let us say, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So there's weights and there's sins and there's things that burden us and there's things that cause us, cause us to be, uh, if you will, slow of stepping, get, getting further down the Christian walk and, and heavy hearted. And sometimes we need to be reminded of what the Lord says about this. And Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 28, the Bible says this, Jesus speaking, Come unto me, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, that's a promise. That's God's word. The Bible says that uh, will not return void. That will, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. They won't pass away. The Lord's words are sure and steadfast. And one day when you get to heaven, they're going to be there. And they're going to be sure and steadfast. God's word does not change. And it's promised to be eternal. And it is eternal. And here he says that the Lord says, And I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, and, and maybe there's somebody here like that this morning that could use some rest. And your heart is crying out for it. Your, your soul is crying out for it. And you need rest. The Lord says, come to Him. Come to Him. In verse 29, He further expounds and says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Some things to learn about Jesus, about Himself, about His yoke, about His ways and His promises. He says, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Amen. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Somebody asked me and, I, uh, and says, Pastor, how do you like your eggs? I said, I like them like Jesus likes them. Say, what do you mean? Over easy. Say, why? Because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Amen. I like my eggs biblical. Amen. You know, I don't like them uh, easy. I don't like them runny. I do. Amen. They're good. But the Bible says there, for my yoke is easy. Now this is talking about a farming equipment and uh, implement there that two animals go into. And it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And with God's help, I'd like to preach to you this morning uh, with that thought in mind that need to come unto Jesus. And especially the title this morning is Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary, taken from the name of that song. And uh, we want to, we want the Lord, I want the Lord to be able to help those ones that are looking for and need those burdens lifted. Brother Bill, would you pray for us and ask a blessing on the message? 
The Bible says there, the first word, come. Um, when we talk about this thing of rest and coming to get your burdens lifted and where they're lifted at Calvary, it's how to have rest by taking these burdens to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord promises, and we touched on it there, He said, I will give you rest. But it's not as simple as coming to the Lord and saying, Hey, Lord, I'm worn out. Give me rest. Uh, there's more things to it than just that. And I know in simplicity and in simple faith, you can go to the Lord at times and say those things. But uh, we, are, we are told and, and commanded to in Scripture to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we know that there's times that we apply ourselves to study so that, like it says in the next passage there, the next verse, to learn, to learn. And he said to learn of me. And so we're going to learn some things this morning. And the first thing that uh, I would like to say on how to have rest and how to get these burdens lifted, the first thing you must come to Jesus. You must come to Jesus. People get the idea that they have to deal with their labor and their load first before coming to the Lord. And a lot of people get mistaken as well when it comes to salvation. They think, I'll turn over a new leaf and I'll start living different and I'll start coming to church. Uh, no, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. <laughs> you, don't, you don't go to the doctor when you're well. You go when you're sick. Amen. And uh, you, you go and get help when you're in need. And the Lord knows that we're a needy people. You need the Lord. You need uh, to help. He wouldn't have put this in here and, and this scripture in here unless we, He knew that us as Christians, us as men, need help and need Him to lift the load and the labor. Some people, they say, let me get this stuff out of the way that so I'll have time for the Lord. I'll, I'll stop doing this and I'll stop doing that and I'll start doing this. No. No, uh, you need the Lord to help you fix the problem with your labor and your load first. And most men and women, um, they don't see themselves as the problem that gets in the way of getting to the Lord. The first thing you've got to realize is you've got to get yourself out of the way and you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to come to Jesus. Um, the world doesn't have the answer to these problems. Did you know that? The world, they, they say, what do they do? They go on vacation. And you know what they do? They go away on holiday, they go on vacation, and they come back more burdened and more tired than when they left. And I could get a show of hands in here, and how fr and, and probably, but I won't do it, but you can lift your hand in your mind that you get, I mean, you're rushing to get out the door, to pack everything up, to get on the plane, to get uh, the car packed or whatever, and you get there finally. And maybe you stay two or three, four or five days if you're, if you're blessed and can stay that long. Maybe two weeks, maybe a month, who knows. And you're on holidays and you put your feet up and you think, this is the solution to my problems, it's going to fix me. And you, uh, when you get on holiday, you stay up late, you get up early, you take in all the sights, you do this and you do that. And, and finally it's time to go home and you've barely got enough strength to pack the car, falling asleep on the way home, and you barely you pull in the driveway, then you've got to unload everything, and you sit down on the lounge and you're like, I'm more tired than when I left and more exhausted. That's what the world does. And they're chasing rest, and they want rest. And they, they do all kinds of things to go get it. I mean, they, they pop pills and take tablets. They go on holidays. They're, they're looking for um, many different things. They, look for, they say, well, we need to have downtime, and, and uh, we go, they go to the telly to escape. 
And they say, we'll watch something and, and this is me time. They call it downtime. Then they take alcohol and they'll drink alcohol and they'll chase it that way, this rest and this unburdening. And a lot of people that turn into alcoholics, it takes one drink. Uh, is all it takes to, to become an alcoholic and, and to become a drunkard. just takes one drink to get you there, one drink to start. If you never start, you'll never become an alcoholic. <laughs> Amen. Um, thanks be to God. I've got generations of my family that were drunkards. I'm talking about four, five, six generations. As far as I can go back, testimonies, uh, you, you read, the, read the accounts of the courts and, and, and uh, by all records, I go all the way back, drunkard after drunkard produced. So I knew and grew up around all that, that stuff. I knew what parties at my house every weekend looked like and drunkard for a father, drunkard for a grandfather and great-grandfather and his father before him making moonshine in the hills of Tennessee and being, you know, being that way. And I saw the, the hell on earth and the heartache that went with it. I've seen my mother beat to within an inch of her life. I've seen people stabbed and shot. Um, and and uh, I saw my stepbrother get his throat in a drunken rage cut from one ear to the other. My older stepbrother, 176 stitches from one ear to the other. And he said, who was doing the cutting? My father. And he was centimeters away from, from a first-degree murder charge. He got charged with attempted murder. And uh, my great-grandmother lost and um, paid, paid him off and bribed him uh, not to go ahead with the charges or my dad would have probably died in prison. And uh, my grandfather killed two men, um, both times drunk. And my said wickedness and say, why? All connected to alcohol. But, oh, but it's legal. It's okay. It's legal. It's not an illegal drug. That's legal. No. Um, what the world calls legal, God says that's unclean. And it's unholy. It's not right. You say, why? I'll not be brought under the power of any, the Bible says. And you're out of control and you're out of your mind when you're on that stuff. And you say, what do people do? They do that and, that, and the first thing you learn about that and you study, it's an escape. Drugs and alcohol, it's an escape. And people do that and the world does that and says, I'll, I'll get away. I'll, I'll drink away my problems. When you wake up and when you come out of it, you say, what happens? The problems are still there and they're worse. And they're bigger. And they've grown. And uh, that's not the way to get uh, the victory. That's not the way to do it. So people, you say, what do they do? They also they'll, they'll enlist in exercise programs. Uh, you say, why the gyms open uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Because people make their own body their gods. Listen, I didn't say there's anything wrong with exercise. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. So there's some profit to it, and you ought to exercise and not... But, you know, most of us, if we just do the work that we're supposed to be doing, we'd probably be all right. And, uh, but most people nowadays is changed to office work. And you're under these fluorescent lights and you're under, um, you know, air conditioning all day. And you say, what happens? The pounds come or the kilos start packing on. <laughs> And you got to get out there and sweat, and you got to exercise, and you got to walk, and you got to get some things. You got to get some things sorted that way. But people turn a god into it, and they do it to escape. I've I've read that many people and testimonies of people not not saved but lost. I say this is my escape. This is how I cope, and this is how I deal with things. And as a Christian, that's not your escape. That's not how you can cope. That's not how you're going to get the rest that you're seeking. The rest is found in Jesus Christ. 
It's not found in these things. It's not found in entertainment. It's not found in stress relievers and alcohol and pills and downtime and vacations and holidays. It's not found there. It's found by coming to Jesus. Amen. You must look to the Lord and no one else for this answer. He said and promised, I will give you rest. So we're going to see what the Lord has to offer. But first, you must understand something. You must understand the nature of your labor and your load. Your labor is your work. Your labor is your work. It's what you do with your hands and your mind as part of making a living sometimes. And the, the yoke is typically put on you by the world like the Egyptians do uh, and did in the Bible. They put that yoke of bondage on the Jews there in the Old Testament. And the truth is that most men who labor do so without giving much thought to why they do it and how they do it. They may have an, an aptitude for it. They may be equipped to do it. And they may like it. And they, they may think that they need it. And people say, well, you got to make a living. Yeah. And it may be in the family trade and, and, and that. But the problem is, is when you're doing those things, if you need your burden lightened and your load lightened, you have to, be, you have to, you have to test and check out your motive. Uh, and you have to understand the nature of it. Uh, you got your Bible there in Matthew 11. Look over at Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. You want one way to lighten your load is you change. Uh, I forget who it was I was talking to recently, but someone someone found it a, a burden to do what God had asked them to do. You know, sometimes wives find it a burden to serve their husbands. Sometimes husbands find it a burden to to love their wives and be not bitter against them. And like the Bible says, some find it a burden to work and take care of their family. But you know what you find in the Bible is if your motive is right, you can do amazing things without feeling and being burdened by it. Did you know that? If you're working to take care of your family, uh, you don't feel the same burden as when, when you just have to go in and serve the boss or just because you have to be there and do it. You do it because you're putting food on the table and you're putting clothes on the back of your family. and uh, You're serving the Lord. The Bible says here, Colossians chapter 3, and, and I get you to examine your motive. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, the Bible says, And whatsoever uh, ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So you say, what does that mean? Uh, you ladies, uh, I, I tell you what, a, one of the hardest jobs in the world is being a wife and a mother and, and being at home and taking care of children. And that, that's, that's a hard job. I don't want it. Don't want that job. And, and, uh, and you say, what, what happens? Sometimes you get burdened in that. You get burdened in having to make those meals. You get burdened in having to wash those dishes and cook those, cook those meals and keep the house clean and being, being that stay-at-home mother and carer. It gets burdensome. Maybe you've got a, a mother or father you look after and care for them in the home as well as your own family and you've got your extended family. And that comes, that comes heavy. And it is heavy. But you know what will make the difference? When you commit your works unto the Lord. And you say, Lord, I'm washing these dishes and I'm changing these nappies and I'm cooking this meal. Not only for my family, that's secondary. 
not only because of pleasing my husband or my children or my, my mother or father that's maybe elderly and I'm looking after them. You say, well, what do you do? You change your motive to whatsoever you do, you do it heartily as unto the Lord. And when you are going to work every day in your job and you say, God, I'm working this job for your glory and for your honor. I'm taking care of my husband and he is a, the Bible says that Abigail had a curlish husband and he was a curlish man. He was a difficult man. He was hard hearted, the Bible says, uh, and, and he was a difficult individual. And, and uh, Nabal was his name. And he was, a, he was a hard man. But you know what Abigail did in the Bible? She served her husband. And she didn't do him harm. She served him. And, and she didn't begrudge. You don't find her complaining about her husband. She, she, she might have talked to him and said, you, you need to do this and need to do that. But you don't find her complaining to this one or that one. She loved her husband. She served her husband. And you say, how could she do such a thing? How, how could Sarah uh, obey Abraham, calling him Lord, lowercase l, and serve him? She put herself in that position. You say, how could she do that? Because she was doing it for the Lord. Doing it for the Lord, for God's glory, for God's honor, and to please Him. And you say, well, I'm the husband in this situation. I got a curlish wife, and I got a difficult wife to deal with. And she's hard, and she's hard-hearted, and she's all these things. Yes, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. And you know what you'll soon find? When you do it for them, and the husband, or the wife, or the children is secondary, because you realize... Because honestly, who likes to do labor and work without any thanks? And you know, you're talking about in a, in a, a marriage or in a home, uh, a thankless marriage and a thankless home, thankless children uh, and a thankless job. Boy, you're talking about hard. It's hard. And you say, why? Because nobody recognizes what you're doing. They don't recognize the, the hard work you have to do in the early mornings, the late nights, and all the things that go into it. And you think, nobody sees and nobody cares. But the Lord does. And if you do it for Him, He does see and He is thankful and He cares. Does Jesus care? Yes, He does. He does. When you do it for His glory and for His honor to please Him, then you can have the joy of the Lord. You can have that because you know that He sees. You know that He appreciates it. And you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You say, well, my, my husband makes it difficult. My wife, my children, my, my family and the world makes it difficult. Yeah, it does make it difficult. But you can do anything if you do it for the Lord. And the Bible says there in verse 24, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. The Lord is not forgetful like your husband. The Lord's not forgetful like your wife. The Lord's not forgetful like your children. Boy, it's frustrating. You serve your children. You, you work for them. You give them everything and you sacrifice yourself and lay yourself down and you do everything for them. And next thing you know, they turn around they're disrespectful and they hurt you. And they, by their actions, they don't show that they're thankful or that they appreciate anything that they do. And that's at times. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And it hurts. And it hurts and it bothers you. But you know who doesn't forget? The Lord Jesus doesn't forget. Amen. Amen. He doesn't forget. The Lord doesn't forget to, to be there with you and lift that burden and go with you if you're doing it for Him and for His glory. You have to work on your motive. And I say, carrying on there, that your load is what you're carrying. 
And you're like a beast of burden, if you will. Uh, they're laden down. I see these donkeys, you know, in uh, Mexico and these other countries. And you see these donkeys, they get laden down. And I'm talking about weight underneath there. And they're, they're strong. <laughs> they hold up to it for, for miles and kilometers on end. And they, and they, they carry on and they carry that, that burden, that weight. And uh, you say, you're like that. You're like that. I'm like that. We get laden down and burdened down with iniquity. And with sins, and the load of sin is heavier than any other load, I can tell you that. The heavy load of debt people get into and get messed up in. People get so used to carrying this load that they don't even think about the problems carried, caused by carrying the load. Um, you know, and it's a sad thing. I remember being, I think I was 16 when I first got into debt. And I was in debt. I remember when I, when I put a stop to it, I was 16. And uh, I got up to around back, you know, this is back when I was 16. For some of you young kids, they'll be like, whoa, that was the dinosaur age. But that was, you know, 25 years ago. And uh, I, I remember getting up there, here's a car, and here's this, and here's that. And next thing you know, when I got access to debt, I rounded up about twenty three, twenty four thousand dollars $24,000. And having to make repayments here and repayments there and here and there. Because I wasn't living within my means. I thought debt, man, this is money you don't have to pay back. You don't understand debt very well. You don't understand money very well. And so I took out a credit card and I got a loan at the bank for a car. And, and, and it's all fun and games getting the money. But paying it back is a whole different story. And, and you have to, you say, what happens? You go into debt for this and that. Next thing you know, it's a heavy burden to bear. And so I started learning and educating myself and, and through the help of others, I got into Bible school. And I remember I started Bible school and uh, started working and paying off this debt. And I stopped, the, the, the key to getting out of debt, by the way, is stop going further in. You've got to stop going further in. So you say, what'd you do, preacher? I learned about credit cards and realized the high interest rate that was on those and, and how burdensome it was and how buying this car. You say, what, what were you doing? I was buying things with money I didn't have to impress people I didn't like. And some of you are do doing the same thing. You're spending money you don't have. You're having to borrow it, right? You're spending money you don't have. To buy things you don't really need, a flash car, a flash house, a flash, you fill in the blank. You, you, you say, oh, I need this, I need that. You don't need it. That car that you can pay off uh, or buy by saving up will get you to and fro just as good as the one uh, that's not. And here's what people think. People think this. You've got $80,000 in the bank and you drive a $1,000 car and people look at you and say, oh, they look down their nose at you and they're in bad shape. They're struggling financially. No, they're not. And if something happens to the car, they can get it fixed. And when the rego comes, they can pay it and the insurance. But here's what happens. Somebody drives up in a Mercedes or a BMW or uh, Maybach or, or Lamborghini or something else and they're making repayments on it out the nose and they're in debt up to their eyeballs and they only have $1,000 in the bank. Somebody looks at them and they got a nice purse on their shoulder that they put on the credit card and went in debt for the bank and they say, man, they must be doing all right. Your eyes will deceive you. Your eyes will deceive you. And you say, so what'd you do? First, you have to stop going into debt. Amen. And, and then 
before you can get out, you got to stop going in. So you say, well, I didn't know about credit cards and how to use them. So the credit cards I had, which was a couple, I cut them up. You say, why? I couldn't handle them. Not at that age. Didn't understand how to use them, how they work. You say, what do you mean? You're supposed to pay them off at the first of every month before the balance is supposed to be paid off. And then you learn how to use them properly. You say, but they're a credit card. They're for credit. I can use them to go in debt. And you don't understand how it works. And so some people do that. So I, I started doing that, and then I started paying it back. And it took me 18 months to pay that back. And you say, what were you on? Half rations. I didn't go anywhere I didn't need to go and put fuel in the car. I only paid the bills that I had to pay. And I, I didn't eat out except when I had to, absolutely had to. Or uh, it came up and I stayed at home and I cooked at home. And, and you say, I did everything and made changes. And I had some help with that and some teaching on it until I remember making that last payment and paying it off. Well, first thing I did is I sold the car. I sold the car and that got rid of a big chunk of it because I didn't need that car. I thought I did. It was a little red sports car that would absolutely, I had it up to like 100 and 200 kilometers an hour. Don't recommend it, but it was a, it was a speed demon. The worst thing that an idiot like me at that age could have. And uh, I'd, I'd only been, at 16, I was only saved for a year. And uh, I think Sister Amy Anderson, Joey Anderson's wife, she, she remembers when I pulled up to PBI in the car. As I, I had it for about two or three years, and I'd barely paid anything off. But it was a little red sports car, and, uh, um, and it had, I, I put them on myself, white racing stripes, cherry red, white racing stripes down the middle, two of them. And I put Jesus across the hood in white lettering. And I remember pulling up to Bible school in that thing. And, and Miss Amy Anderson said, oh, you were the talk of the town pulling up at PBI in that thing. And, you know, everybody was impressed uh, because, because of that. It was all a show. I didn't own the car. It was a, it was a weight. It was a burden. And you say, what would you do? I had to get rid of it. And you know what I, what I ended up driving instead? I bought a $500 car and, and was held together by Scripture signs. And the thing got me from point A to point B. And uh, then I traded that one for, uh, for a, um, a Chevy, Chevy truck, pickup truck, for $600. And it, but it was paid for. and didn't have power steering. I mean, we're trying to... <laughs> but I didn't have to make a payment on it. Hallelujah! I had to put, a, put about a liter of oil in it every month uh, or every couple of weeks, but it was paid for. Thanks be to God. And I learned to live within my means. And when you do that, you start seeing those things drop off. Now, I'm, I'm just running away on that. But uh, uh, if, if you need some help with that and you want some counsel on that, uh, I'm available. I can help. I can try my best to help you with that. Some of you, some of you have found yourselves maybe in that situation. My pastor in America, Brother Ron, uh, uh, he, he sits down with people as well in the church and outside of his church, and he helps them with those things. And the first thing that, that he asks them to do is write down what you spend your money on every purchase for 30 days and then come back and then we'll start and tell me every get, tell me everything you spend your money on in 30 days keep a diary of everything that goes out of your pocket card you swipe whatever you do to spend and then come back and talk to me and then he helps them work out a budget and gets out of helps them get out of debt and helps them to to give them some advice in those things but you say what do people do they get into that they're carrying that load and that burden 
as well as dealing with life and all the things that go with it. And sometimes you just need to sh you need to simplify, amen. And the load that load that you're carrying, you need to bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, what do you mean bring it to the Lord? Yeah, I brought my debt to the Lord. And the Lord gave me wisdom. You see, the Bible says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And the reason that I'm out of debt today is because God gave me wisdom. He taught me some things. He showed me some things. And He can do the same thing for you and help you. And you say, Will that make a, matter, a difference in my Christian life? Yes. Uh, it will. For these frivolous things and that, the Bible, has a, the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. Yeah. It tells you what you can do. It tells you when you have to get up in the morning, when you can go to bed. It can tell you about those things. And there's good, good debts and bad debts, okay? And I understand that. And, uh, and, and I'm not ignorant to investing in all of those things. I don't know uh, as much as some do, but I know a little bit about it. And, uh, and you ought to know some as well and, and try to understand that uh, for, for the glory of God. You say, why? When I was in debt and burdened down with those things, I couldn't do what I wanted to do for the Lord because I was somebody else's debtor, not just the Lord's debtor. I, uh, the Apostle Paul said, I'm a debtor both to the wise and the unwise to the Lord. He was a debtor, and so he served the Lord. When I was a debtor to the banks and to the credit card companies, I had to, to work and I had to do this and I had to do that to make those payments and make sure everything was sorted. I couldn't go to a mission trip. I couldn't go, go off and serve the Lord. I had to be there and work and make that money to make sure that that was covered. Some of you know that burden. And I say to you, encourage you, get out from underneath it. Stop right now. Stop going in. If you can't handle the credit cards, get rid of them. Now I've got five or six credit cards. I don't have a balance on any of them. But they pay me money to keep them every year. And, and I know that the, the, the system's different in Australia as it is to America, but you can take those things and use them for what they're made and intended for, and you'd be surprised what, uh, how that can turn around if you handle them right as a tool, not as an infinite uh, glitch. Like, oh, man, here's an infinite glitch in the system. I can just keep swiping this thing, and it'll never come back to bite me. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And so you have to watch those things. But God can help you get out from underneath that with the Lord's help and with God's book. Amen? And with wisdom. And, uh, and it's important that you know that. But the Bible goes on to say, you must take the Lord Jesus Christ as yoke upon you. The last thing in the world that you need right now is more to do. Amen? How can you take more on you, you say, and get rest? Well, the answer is to take His yoke, the Bible says, upon you and put off your own. You see, you're carrying your own yoke and you think that that's what's going to do it, but it's not. You've got to get the Lord's yoke. People get the idea that they can carry their own yoke and then come to Him and get rest from Him. It doesn't work like that. First, you've got to put off your own yoke. You've got to put off your own yoke and then come to Him and get rest. And so you say, what happens? Well, you get out of the hard yoke of bondage and put on His easy yoke, His easy yoke. Amen. This is a key factor. Not to place in your yoke and then get in His. You've got to put yours off to get into His. So the exchange of yokes is something that's first done by making a decision to change yokes. Then you come out of yours and into His. And the difference is that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And I say, do you believe it? Because you've got to believe it. Him that cometh to God must believe that He is. In James chapter 1, when it's talking about having your uh, wisdom there, it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You must learn from Jesus Christ how to wear His yoke. 
You can't just wear it any way that you want. You must learn from him. You must see how he did it. You say, what do you mean? He did it a certain way. When he came down to, to this earth, did he do his own will? No, he didn't. Uh, did he have his own agenda? No. Did he try to force God into his plans like we seem to always do? No. Some of you today are burdened and, and having a hard time because you're doing what you want to do and you're trying to make out that it's God's will for your life when it's not. You see, I have people come to me all the time and say, God showed me and God told me. And then it's something contrary to scriptures. And as soon as somebody says, God showed me and God told me, and then it's contrary to scriptures, I know it's not from God. And they're burdened about it because they're trying to work out how to get one over on God and justify it. God will never instruct you according, uh, in, in, uh, in, um, in opposite direction to His Scriptures. It will always be in harmony with the Scriptures. God will always give you His will and show you. The Holy Spirit will not lead you against God's uh, words. Never. And so I, I warn you in that and you need to search your heart and to check those things out because many of you are carrying a load because you're trying to do something that God is not for and it's not God's will at all. And you need to search it out and make sure. The Bible says, Jesus said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. It was, he, he did His Father's will. He preached His Father's doctrine. He pleased His Father in every way. And the why and wherefore of everything Jesus did and started with, it was always about the Father. And in your case, and everything you're doing started with you. If you're not careful. Say why? Selfishness is the God of this age. Men in the last days are going to be lovers of their own selves. And you think that if I, give me, if I give myself more me time and more time to myself and if I just unplug and I'll do this and I'll do that, then, but you see, it's still all about you. And that's what the world teaches, you, you, you. But it's about Him. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. You want that freedom and that burden lifted with the Lord Jesus Christ? You have to make it about Him. You have to put His will first in your life. You have to search out what you have convinced yourself of and try to get on the straight and narrow path of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He wants and make sure it's in accordance with His words and with, in accordance with His Spirit. And he's, you're doing the right thing. A lot of people are not willing to do that. And they get mad at the preacher when they come to him and he tells them the truth. That that's not according to God's will. God didn't tell you that it's okay... Um, um, and I won't get into it. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll leave that with you and let you think about it and pray about it. You say, what is it? Selfishness is the root of many a heavy burden. Se selfishness. Just look at the conflict you're having doing the basic stuff that you, he, you know He wants you to do. We read the verse when we started there and looked at it on a different subject. It says, but His commandments are not grievous. It ought not be grievous to get up in the morning and read your Bible, to pray to do His will and, and follow Him, do the simple things in, of the Christian life. But it, you find it a burden. You find it grievous. First, you need to check that verse and realize something may be wrong with your love that you have for God. Uh, amen? And if you love the Lord the way you're supposed to, you'll find that His commandments are not grievous. You'll find that. 
and, and that, that burden will be lifted. And selfishness, it goes back to, and that conflict is, is caused there. And you, you say, why? Because some people have that conflict because they're trying to carry two yokes. They're trying to maintain their own will, their own way, their own life. And God says, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It belongs to the Lord. And we learn here from the text uh, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse uh, 28 and 29 that two key components of serving the Lord Jesus Christ and His yoke once you get in there with Him. First, the Bible says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And He mentions two things. He says, For I am meek. I am meek. Meek. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is meek. He's meek. Um, you say, what is meekness? Meekness is not weakness. The Lord was not weak. Our Lord Jesus was not weak. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is uh, humility. Uh, it's, it's submissiveness to the Father. And... To make meek is to nurture in gentleness, in humility, and to behave yourself with mildness and patience. And to behave in such a way. Doesn't that match what a Christian is? All of those things match what a Christian is. The Bible tells us if you want to learn about meekness, you study Moses. The Bible says he was the meekest man in all the earth. You know what got Moses in trouble? A lot of the times, and people hated him for it, even the children of Israel hated him for it, God told him to do something and he was, he was God's mouthpiece. And he relayed to the people what God said and what God wanted. And they got mad and they get mad at Moses. They get mad at his wife. They get mad at his brother. They get mad at the leadership because Moses was following what God told him to do. But Moses was meek. And you say, what he, he uh, at times when the people were not doing right, uh, he'd, say, he'd say, Lord, you know, uh, take me instead. He, he said, you brought... He said, the Lord said, I'm going to destroy all these people. And Moses interceded with God and said, no, Lord, don't do that. These are ignorant sheep. They don't know what they're doing. And he interceded for the sheep. And if he didn't stand in the way, uh, we might not have ever heard about the children of Israel. Because <laughs> God would have come down and he said, Moses, let me make of you a nation. I'll start over. I'll wipe this whole bunch out. And you know the Lord does that. The Lord stands and in, 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 in intercedes for us in that same way. He intercedes for us. And He's meek. He's meek. He's submissive to the Father's will. And you find that in every part of His life. It was the Father this, the Father that, and He was always talking about the will of His Father. How many times are you concerned about your own will and not God's will? Do you live your life in that, in that regard? And you say, yeah, you can mention and talk about God's will, but are you in submission to it? And to be in submission to God's will is to be in submission to His Word and what God says. Not what you think, not what you feel, uh, not what an angel revealed to you, but what God said. What God said. Uh, old, um, um, was it, um, I can't think of his name, but I'll give you the quote. Um, 
He said, it's not the things that uh, I don't understand that trouble me with the Bible. It's the things that I do understand that trouble me. <laughs> and uh, is the writer. But you say, what did he mean by that? You're not troubled by the deep things of God that you don't understand. You're troubled by the simple things that you know you're supposed to be doing and you're not and having trouble with. God's will is simple in Romans chapter 12 that we submit and we lay down as a living sacrifice to the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and, uh, and so that you can find the will of God and not have your own agenda. Jesus Christ didn't have His own. He submitted to the Father's will and He obeyed. Amen. You say, what else did He mention there? He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says that Jesus Christ humbled Himself. And so you say, what's that lowly? That's humility. <laughs> he was humble. He came in in humility. You, you want you a, a, a blessing at church and a blessing in your Christian life? Learn to live humble and to walk in humility. The Bible even goes as far as to say to be clothed in humility. Clothed in it. Amen? What do you do with your clothes? You get up in the morning, you put them on. I hope some of you did. Amen. And you don't go out without putting on your clothes. The Bible says to be clothed in humility. And you want, you want this burden lightened? Meekness and humility. Jesus is meek and lowly in heart. He's humble. He walked in humility. He humbled Himself as a man, the Bible says, and became obedient even to the death of the cross. His humility allowed Him to be in in union and in fellowship with God the Father. But you say, what happens? Those that walk in pride, the Bible says, even Nebuchadnezzar speaking, God, the Lord, is able to abase. Some of you are walking in pride and that burden that you're feeling is because of pride. And you won't surrender your will, your agenda to God's will. You won't lay down... Uh, and admit that you've gone off the wrong way and done the wrong thing and you're carrying a heavy burden of sin and you've gotten yourself into a mess and into strife and into trouble. Some of you got mad when I started talking about debt this morning and said, I've got to have that and, and don't tell me to get rid of my credit. I didn't say any of that. I said, if you couldn't handle it, you better get rid of it. And I said, the best thing for your Christian life is to get out of debt and that's the truth and, and get away from it. And learn that life is hard enough without debt. To add that into the mix makes it even harder. Amen? Learn to live not... And some people say within your means. I say below your means. Say why? You need a buffer. You don't need... To live within your means means you're spending with all that you got. But to save and put some, some aside, the Bible talks about to lay up so you can live below your means so that you've got a little bit of a, um, a gap there, a stop gap, that if something happens, you can pay the bill, you can do the thing that's necessary without running off and having to get into debt to fill a, fill a need that comes up because there's always going to be a rainy day around the corner. <laughs> Something's going to be happening. But Jesus Christ was walked in humility. You know, He was a king... But he rode a donkey into Jerusalem. You say, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I need this kind of job and that kind of job and I won't take anything less. Jesus Christ worked in one of the lowliest professions you could work in. He was a carpenter. He was a chippy, as they say. And 
He didn't. He wasn't ashamed of that. He worked in that. There's no shame in that. Amen. People look at other people's jobs and say, you work at Macca's? Hey, if, if, if that's a job you can have and you can do that for the glory of God, there's nothing wrong with that. People have weird ideas and look and say, oh, look down their nose. Well, I got a better job than he does. Thank God for it. Amen. Don't compare yourself to somebody else and think you're better than they are because that you work in a different profession than they don't. Thank God you got the strength and the knowledge to work there. And, and uh, I know some people that work at Macca's and they've, they've got a portfolio of houses and, and built a, a whole thing and they, they work there. Brother Ray was manager there and worked there for over 10 years, didn't you, Brother Ray? And, uh, and, and there's no shame in that. And if that's the job you can get, thank God for it. Praise the Lord for it. And so I just do this. Jesus Christ was a carpenter and he worked in humility. You need to learn how to take His yoke. And when you do, everything in your life will change. Under His yoke, you can work as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You work in the ministry as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when you do that as a wife, it'll be easy to submit to their husband. It'll be easy for a husband to love his wife the way he's supposed to, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You can do everything that you're supposed to do under His yoke according to His will. And that's why the Bible says we're not to be unequally yoked together. You say, why? Because you're in the yoke with Jesus Christ. And when you submit to Jesus and humble yourselves, you put off your own yoke. You pick up His. You learn from Him. Then, and only then, the Bible says, will you find rest for your souls. Finding rest isn't an instant thing. It's like looking for buried treasure or wisdom. The rest is there. You just have to find it. And you have to keep going after it. Amen. And when, uh, when, when you get saved, you start learning about these things. You learn that you can't carry this load. And you can't carry it without Jesus Christ. And you need, you need the, to do that. You need to get with the Lord. When you take Jesus' yoke, the first thing you, you do, you say, I'm lost. Yeah, well, you need to take Jesus' yoke of salvation. Amen. And you'll find rest in Him. When you've been laden with sin your whole life, He takes your sin away. And when He does, um, you'll, you, you, you know what? I, I can testify to this. The moment I got saved, I felt like a huge weight and burden was lifted off my shoulders and my back. You hear these testimonies and, and, and people testifying to that. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you're lost and you've never been saved, you've never come to Him, you say, I go to church and I'm religious and, and I, I, I've, I've even, I was even in Sydney. I came down here and I saw the Pope when he came through town and I kissed the priest ring and, and I've done this. All of that won't get you to heaven. But coming to Jesus will. Coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and humbling yourself and getting to know Him through what means? By the means of the gospel. The salvation of your soul depends on you believing uh, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That He came to this earth 2,000 years ago as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then you put your faith, you believe the gospel, how that Christ died, was buried and on the third day rose again from the dead according to the Scriptures, and you put your faith and trust and call on Him, He'll save your soul. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And you say, what did you do? I did that at 15 years old. And that burden of sin was lifted. And you can do that today. And I encourage you to do that. 
And if you're already saved, you need to find rest in Jesus Christ. Get into His yoke and put off your own. When you get out of the world's yoke you're in, and that one that you're under, you'll feel that burden of sin and the burden of debt that you have will be lifted in Jesus Christ. And there's no greater joy than knowing that the Lord, you're in the yoke with Jesus Christ and He's carrying that burden for you. And some of you, I can just be honest with you, some of this is confusing. Some of this, maybe even in the Scriptures, you read, I don't understand how to do and what to do. I can tell you this, if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and say this, Lord, I, I may not have understood everything the preacher said and learning about my, the yoke being easy and burden light and, and meekness and lowliness and all that. All I know is I'm drowning in burdens and I need your help. And I am, I am just that far, that close to leaving church. I'm that close to quitting and I'm just so burdened down. Yes. Some of you may be that way this morning. But if you come to the Lord, the Bible says, "...and casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you." You'll find that the Lord is not as exacting as some people like to make Him out to be. The Lord will meet you there. He'll meet you there and He'll help you with your burden. If you'll get in that, that yoke with Him.